Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. That John the Baptist was in prison should come as a shock, a complete shock to anyone who reads the Gospel of Matthew. John doesn't belong in a prison. He belongs in an asylum. I mean, really, what is wrong with this guy? Either he had finally eaten one locust too many, uh, or he had spent too long in the desert, in the wilderness, wearing camel hair, and, and all of that finally got to him. Either way, how could John, of all people, ask a question like, are you the coming one? Or should we wait for someone else to Jesus? After all, wasn't it John that, that leaped for joy as, as a baby in his mother Elizabeth's womb upon hearing the greeting of Mary? Wasn't it John's job to prepare the way for the Lord? Wasn't he the messenger and, uh, as the last prophet of the Old Testament, Malachi, had prophesied would come right before the Messiah? Did John not point to Jesus and say with his own mouth, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How then could he possibly ask of Jesus, are you the coming one? Or should we look for someone else? Something's up here. Now, keep in mind that when John says this, or asks this, he's, he's in prison. And spoiler, he's not going to get out. His head is going to be brought to Herod on a platter as a gift, for, as a gift for the daughter of his half-brother's wife, whom Herod is having an affair with. If John has been broken under pressure, you, you can't really blame him. It's been a 2020 kind of year for John. John's in prison. He's wearing rags. He's cold. He's lonely. He's hungry. He's waiting to be executed. And his question implies that, that he's doubting whether or not Jesus is actually the Messiah. The question he asks implies that maybe God abandoned him. Or maybe God's not real after all. We can't blame John. Because isn't this what happens to us? We know the promises of God. We know that Christ is our only refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble we know that he is the one who brings peace in the midst of the chaos of our life. We know that he alone is the one who stills the raging of the storms and the nations. In him alone are found green pastures, still waters, peace on earth, and peace with God. And still, at the moment things start to fall apart, is it not like we'd never heard of this Jesus, of his presence with us? of his victory over sin and the grave? Do we not have every reason to rejoice always? Is not to live Christ and to die gain? Why then do we get so afraid? Maybe John isn't so crazy after all. Maybe he's just human. Or maybe... Maybe John knows exactly what he's doing. 
He's taking one last opportunity to point to Jesus. After all, it's kind of hard to preach the gospel from prison. Could it be that John has used his one last phone call to this one last time to, to point us to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Did not John get in touch with his disciples and send them to Jesus? And did Jesus himself not make it clear that, that John was no reed shaken by the wind? When, G, when John's disciples get back to Jesus, Jesus tells them point blank, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been advancing forcefully and forceful people are seizing it. The cost of discipleship is high. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And if you truly follow Jesus, you will suffer for it. This is neither fun, happy, nor easy. That's why so many churches today soft-sell Christianity and, and preach their own version of the gospel where Jesus only has happy things to say, where the comfort of the gospel is equated with my emotional state. It's as if St. Paul would say, be happy always. Again, I will say, be happy. Why does this matter? Because this turns us inward. And being turned inward, the only way then to, to deal with the real problems in life is to retreat into myself. This is a recipe for disaster. It, it's why there have been so many suicides this year due to people being locked away from each other with no one but themselves. So they sink down deep into the dark abyss of their own sinful heart and darkened minds, concluding that they are all alone because that's what they feel. If Christianity is just a feeling, just you alone with Jesus in the garden, then it is of zero value. In fact, it is deadly because it teaches you to put your faith in your feelings. And you can't always be happy. Some days, and perhaps some years, you will feel like John. John, however, in pointing to Jesus, is pointing us away from, from, from the narrow prison of our dark minds and hearts. He's getting us away from, from what we feel to what Jesus has promised. Away from the subjective, the, the thoughts, the feelings, the opinions, to the objective. See, faith doesn't look in. Faith looks out and goes to Jesus. And since neither John nor we can actually go to Jesus, because we are both in types of prisons, John in a real one, and we in the prison of our sin, we need Jesus to come to us. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does through the Word of God. This may be preaching to the choir a little bit, but I think it's good to know and maybe will be encouraging a study was just published this, this past week by a well-respected research company, Gallup, that found that only one group of Americans, one demographic of Americans, actually saw an increase in their mental health in 2020. Every other demographic age group, uh, everybody declined except one group, weekly churchgoers. It doesn't mean everyone, of course, but, but overall, weekly churchgoers saw an increase in their mental health in 2020. The only group that saw an increase 
uh, was weekly churchgoers, not those who, who come monthly, those actually saw a decline, but weekly. Uh, those who consistently heard the word of God preached from outside of them. Blessed is the one, Jesus says, who does not take offense at me. It's significant that John sent his disciples to bring the word of Jesus back to him, to preach to him. John wanted and needed to hear the word of Jesus spoken from outside of him. He knows where comfort is found, not in his little cell, not in his thoughts or feelings, but in hearing and receiving God's word. If you're listening and, and, and watching and, and hearing from home, there is nothing I would love more than to bring you God's word. You don't even have to come here. It will not inconvenience me to come visit you and bring you God's word. Please ask. After John asks Jesus, Jesus sends back his word of comfort for John. If John was doubting, Jesus doesn't rebuke him. A bruised reed he will not break. On this side of heaven, faith and doubt coexist in the Christian. And Jesus' response to John is packed with comfort. Jesus could have said just about anything, but he quotes from two places in Isaiah. Jesus has words meant for John. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear. That's from Isaiah 35, 5-6. Now, if you're trying to reassure someone of something that they already know, a good, gentle way to do that is to let them fill in the blank. A few weeks ago, my, my oldest son uh, was scared of the dark. But we've read many times how Jesus created both light and dark, and he knows that Jesus loves him more than I do. And so I started saying what he already knows. And God said, let there be... There are times when I'm visiting someone who is sick or lonely and they feel like they are surrounded and overcome by dark and evil things. And I'll again start by quoting what they already know, a well-known Bible verse. Uh, Psalm 23, for instance. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is what Jesus is doing for John. Even without the text in front of him in prison, John would have had the words of Isaiah 35, 35 on his heart memorized. And he would have been able to fill in the blanks, including verses 3 and 4, which say this. Tell those who have a fearful heart be strong. Do not be afraid. Look, your God will come with vengeance. With God's own retribution, he will come and save you. Jesus is not ignorant of John's struggles. And neither is he of yours. Jesus proclaims specific gospel straight to John. That God will come. That he will advent to save John. 
And then Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. The gospel is preached to the poor or the afflicted. This is exactly what John's own disciples are now doing for their teacher, who had done this so many times for them, proclaiming the gospel to the afflicted. The verse finishes like this in Isaiah, a prophecy of the Messiah. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for those who are bound. Jesus is proclaiming liberty to John even while John is in prison. He's proclaiming release even while his mind is stuck in doubt and fear. He's proclaiming the binding of his broken, despairing heart. In fact, Christ himself comes to John even if he actually doesn't physically go to John. He comes through the word of John's disciples who in this moment are to be pastors to their teacher. This is what the Word of God still does today. It is powerful and freeing. No matter your emotional state, no matter how deep you are in doubt and fear, your heart, which is weighed down and broken by worry, is lifted and healed by none other than the Gospel. You don't have to search your feelings for God or for comfort because he's right here. In the gospel, preached to you. In the gospel, hidden for you under baptism. The gospel which you can actually see, touch, and taste in with and under the bread and the wine in the Lord's Supper. All administered by stewards of God's mysteries. Through these mysteries, these, these sacraments, Christ comes to you. He advents to you and he comes for you. He comes to bring light to darkness. And because Christ comes to you in his word, he does not come to you to, to break you or to put you out, but he comes for you, for your good, just as he did for John, to give you comfort and hope, liberty, and release, give you joy. He has suffered everything for your good. So even if we can't be happy always due to whatever is going on in our life, the words of St. Paul still are true. We can rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is at hand. In Jesus' name, amen.